they would never consider getting aesthetic treatment for themselves. And is there something that they're missing? If it bothers them, then I'm glad they find their way to us. If somebody has shamed them or judged them and made them feel guilty about something and that's how they found their way, I'd suggest that's the wrong way. There's plenty of other things they could do and they're probably beautiful just how they are. But it's about each of us making an individual choice to look our best. And if that for me means getting some toxin uh, around my forehead and around my lines, it, it, on my glabella, and if it means getting some filler, which yeah. by the way, I happily do. Yeah, you don't want to be the baker who doesn't eat their own pie. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today I have for you Patrick Urban, who is president of MERS Aesthetics North America with 26 years of sales and leadership experience. He leads with a growth mindset and lives by the motto, you take care of your people, people take care of the rest. He's a, he's a thought leader in the world of, of sales and is committed to building an unmatched customer experience and is a proud husband of and father of three. Patrick, welcome to Lead the Team, sir. Thank you so much, Ben. Great to be here with you. So double down on that motto, you take care of people, people take care of the rest. Where'd you come up with that? And, and what's that meant to you? Yeah, I think it's uh, probably a product of, of my of my upbringing. You know, I was an only child. I was I was exposed to lots of different people from all walks of life as a hmm. as a young kid growing up. And I think I just I learned to appreciate the value of every person along the path and, and what they bring to any given equation. And as I moved into leadership, I, I began to understand and appreciate that even more. And I think, you know, having the soundbite that gets everybody to respond and knows what you're about is, is really important. It's more important today, maybe than it, than it was 15 years ago, but it's definitely important. And so that one sort of crystallizes who I am and how I think in uh, the shortest possible uh, number, amount of words. Yeah, it's so impactful to distill your leadership message into just a few words uh, because it's memorable for you and for your people. And I suspect when you're sharing that with your direct leaders, your direct reports, they're sharing that with their teams. It's a lot easy. It's, it's a lot easier to really share a soundbite that distills it versus, hey, send them this three paragraph email and hope they get something out of it. That's the problem, right? People, it, it, it's hard, but you, you know, you take the, you have so much to say and so much to distill that people tend to take the long way around to getting the message out. And, and by then three quarters of the people you want to hear it have tuned you out. So it, it is, it's really important to get those, those crystallized sound bites that people can grab onto that explain exactly who you are, what you believe, where you're going, how you're getting there, you know? Well, so you started back early in your career, kind of mentioned, you know, growing up, going a little bit beyond that. How did you get into the aesthetics world? Yeah, you know, somewhat, maybe a lot of people relate to, it was, you know, somewhat serendipitous. I I, I didn't necessarily set out for that, nor think, oh, this is the place I've got to be. In fact, for me, it was a bit of a, a well-kept secret. 
Um, and I felt like I'd really discovered something when I when I wound up there. So I, I sold uh, paper for National Cash Register back in the early days. I've sold pharmaceuticals for a couple of different companies, okay. uh, Astra and Glaxo Welcome, and then uh, did this startup uh, stint down in Fort Lauderdale with a whole variety of businesses spanning uh, uh, genetics and, uh, and, and surgical instrumentation, et cetera. And there I met uh, the person that would go on to become the CEO of Ulthera, which was an aesthetic device, an ultrasound device for skin lifting and tightening. And I, I ended up moving into aesthetics through him and through that relationship. So, you know, if it taught me anything, Ben, it, it's just that you got to dig in wherever you are, wherever life puts you and the world puts you and your career puts you. Don't be so restless. I see a lot of resumes today. People are jumping jobs every two years and they've got a, a lot of stories about why they do that. But but none of them, none of them quite make sense to me. You know, you got to dig in wherever you are and figure out where you're going next and make some relationships and 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 learn how to build on that stuff and then use it to build further, find a group of people that you want to build with, and then go find the next thing to go build. But don't be so restless uh, because it, it does lead to great things if you if you just have some staying power and some loyalty for a while. Reminds me of the phrase, grow where you're planted. Yes. Maybe you yes. should dig Another in great soundbite, Ben. Another great soundbite. There you go. Grow where you're planted, everybody. So <laughs> uh, here you are in the, in the aesthetics world at, at Everett Merce. Why is the mission immerse so important? I think, again, it gets down to that crystallization of what we're about. And can everybody buy into that? And can every patient and or provider buy into that? We say that that our mission is to help people to, to look better, feel better, and live better. And I think for a long time, aesthetics in general, and when I was an outsider to aesthetics, in general, it felt like more of a vanity play. It's reserved for a certain demographic, a certain per patient type or personal type that's going to go and get these treatments. And, and once you get mm -hmm. on the inside of it, and certainly with the evolution that we've seen in our industry and in our society, I think we now understand it's not about that at all. It's, it's about confidence. It's about all of us as humans finding that which makes us confident. And so if what makes us not confident is something about ourselves that we wish we could change and we have the power to change it, then we should do so because I, I always maintain confident people do great things. And so if, if however you need to get there, get there and find that level of confidence. So a lot of our audience, a lot of business leaders, you might be mm -hmm. saying, you know what? I don't get it. Like that's for yeah. social media. That's for social media, you know, influencers. And yeah. yes, there's a place for social media. I'm on social media an awful lot. Um, what do you say to those leaders who think that, Hey, I just don't get it. And uh, yeah, no, not for me. Get it, get aesthetics in general and what we do. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. get what you do, or maybe it's not for like for themselves. Like they, they, they would never consider getting aesthetic treatment for themselves. And is there something that they're missing? Yeah. So it, so it really starts with, with what it is that you want. We have this campaign right now that we're running, um, throughout it's it's sort of the social media thing that you talked about it but but the title of the campaign is beauty on your terms okay and what that okay. what that really implies is that no matter the influencer no matter the celebrity no matter what it is that brings you there look 
beauty on your terms also means you don't have to like this stuff and you never have to do it, <laughs> you know, but, but if you want <laughs> it's to, it's on your terms, right? It's on your terms. But if you want to, there are a myriad of things for yeah. you to do from simple skincare regimens, which by the way, nobody should be above doing. We all need that. Uh, we all need that. It's, it's, it's good for us and it's good for us to keep our skin like, healthy and to like keep looking at treatments as, like lotion, like just skincare. Because yeah. a CEO and, you know, who's, who's maybe leading a, let's say a 10,000 person company, they're on the screen an awful lot, or they're in front of their employees, they're touring the sites. They probably want to put their best foot forward. And you're saying, hey, you can a start is with just like daily skin treatment regimen. Daily skin treatment regimens. There's there's all kinds of things you can go to various uh, med spas, and you don't have to go to your plastic surgeon. You can. Okay, they'll offer these types of treatments too, but you don't have to. There's many places that okay. you can go. Just a basic uh, med spa, look for those. Uh, you can get injectable treatments. Don't fear them. Don't fear them. We've all had, you know, we've probably been vaccinated maybe or whatever. We've had needle injections at some point. Okay. It, 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 it doesn't well, hurt that badly and, and and you look great at the end of it. So, you know, come on. It's, it's, uh, it's something that everybody can approach and embrace okay. if they want to. And there's so many different ways, whether it's through devices or through skincare products or through injectable products for people to get feeling real comfortable with doing it. And I think, you know, Zoom here, here you and I are and yeah. talking to each other through yeah. that mechanism. You know, the, the COVID years brought us uh, in, on, in a good way, a way to be connected through Zoom and through other media. But in another way, we're looking at ourselves all the time and people are finding things that they they wish was different. And now yes. they have options. Yes. Yeah, so, so go there. So during the pandemic, did you see due to the Zooming of the world uh, and, and, my, and you're also, you're just, you just are seeing people's faces so much more closely uh, yeah. than you normally and, would particularly. Did you see aesthetic treatments increase? Yeah, we sure did, yeah. Ben. That was a major, a major upswing. We we like to think of it as the as the COVID rebound from an industry standpoint, right? Because COVID shut everything down, so you didn't have any business flowing for a while. But then, based on this phenomenon that you're talking about, and was called the Zoom boom, we had this this upward trajectory okay. uh, in patients coming never before, first time. So this was people finding their way to aesthetics based on something they were seeing every day that they that they didn't like or they wish was different and then seeking an alternative or a way to correct that or a way to treat that. And they found it. Now, again, if it bothers them, then I'm glad they find their way to us. If somebody has shamed them or judged them and made them feel guilty about something and that's how they found their way, I'd suggest that's the wrong way. If there's plenty of other things they could do and they're probably beautiful just how they are. But it's about each of us making an individual choice to look our best. And if that for me means getting some toxin uh, around my forehead and around my lines and, and on my glabella, and if it means getting some filler, which yeah. by the way, I happily do because uh, I need it. Then, then, then that's it's why a, you're such a beautiful man here today. Honestly. Yeah, that's what it, I, I tell myself that every day, Ben. That's my my wake up mantra. You are beautiful today. You don't need any more treatments. But then I go back and still get. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to be the baker who doesn't eat their own pie, right? Exactly. So exactly. You want to you want to take part in it. And, I, and customers ask as well. They should, you know, if you're trying to sell something to them, as, as well, they should ask. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, it's so cool. And what I hear is it's kind of a different framing for a lot of leaders. It's about taking control you know, over what you want to present and you, you know, you're getting results potentially as, as a leader, you know, and, and then maybe you want to, you still want to take advantages and just test it out. It sounds like a great way to do it. And I think just the skincare regimen uh, for people who are high stress, 
you know, on the go, they're in planes a lot in dry environments. We know that stuff's not good for your, your skin necessarily. And so having a way to combat that, I think at a minimum, it sounds like a great thing to, to do. And then the second, secondly, I love what you, how you position it as, Hey, you don't have to start with adding something, right? Maybe something you want to take away and try it. And, um, are these treatments, if someone wanted to try, uh, a, a, a toxin injection, is this something they would just call up one of your locations and just, just give it a shot and just yeah, make they the appointment would. go in 15 minutes? Yep. That- yep. Pretty much so. Yep. It's, it's in and out. It's, it's very, very quick. Very quick, you can can do it during the day and be back at a meeting in the afternoon. You, you know, whatever um, to do those, and you just you you'd look for you, you can get them at dermatology offices, certain kinds if they're not purely medical dermatology. So if they're going to a dermatologist anyway, they could inquire. I think it's a, I think you try to go where you have a trust relationship already. I think the most powerful relationships in our lives are are based on trust. And so if you've got someone that's taking care of you for something else and they happen to also offer these, you're going to feel a little bit better about doing it. If you don't have that, then look look for local med spas or look for, for somebody that go talk to them first, do a consult, make sure you trust them. Um, there's not there's not much that if you're just getting a toxin injection, they're pretty straightforward to do. Okay. Um, so it's not something that anybody should be overly concerned about, but you do want to trust your injector. And so you should talk to them a little bit first before you before you go do that. And then you'll feel better about cool. it. Cool. All right. So I want to, you have a very story, uh, interesting story career that I want to get into in a minute, but I have one more question. Sure. If the leader is sitting there, you're like, you're like, they don't even moisturize every day. They don't put moisturizer. They got a shower. Uh, what's, you plug a product, plug an idea, but from your organization, what's one thing that you think uh, they could consider something they could just get today and do? So we have this, uh, we have a skincare line called Neocutis. And so okay. if you got, if you got uh, a product called Biogel from Neocutis, that's kind of a great universal product uh, put on okay. your face. Uh, every day and uh, helps helps all the things that we want to do in our skin for our for ourselves to look our best. Uh, that's that's a great product to do that with. It's easy, simple, no big deal. And, right. and you can get it anywhere. Well, we'll we'll put in the show notes. Give it a shot. Yeah. Simplicity sometimes is the inconvenience is the it's the is a great way to start. Exactly. All right. So leading during uncertain times can be pretty, pretty difficult as we've discussed previously. What are your thoughts on showing a path forward to your team when you may not be sure of the path yourself as a leader? Yeah. So I think all of us as leaders experience this, you know, if we say we don't, we're, we're, we're kidding ourselves and and whoever else we're talking to, we all have those moments, right? And so it is so important that we're projecting the right thing to those who trust and rely on us. And yet at the same time, it's it's important that we understand ourselves, hey, I'm not really sure just yet. So how do I blend those things? And for me, it's always about you've got to get conviction and confidence around at least a part of the path that mm-hmm. you can show everybody and get them to buy into. And then once you've got that piece of the path, here comes the trust word again. You've got to trust yourself, that as you establish some trajectory on that journey to uncertainty, the view changes, 
As you get higher up the mountain, the view changes and the path becomes more apparent. You've got to trust yourself to build that with your people to its eventual conclusion and outcome. I think too many people start by feeling they've got to have the end result or outcome absolutely in hand. It's not necessarily true. Some of the greatest journeys in life happen because we start on a path that seems solid. We do it with people and we figured it out as we go. So, so, and, and we build to something great. So for me, I, I had to practice this. I had to put this into real practice because in our organization, going back maybe five, six years ago, we had a situation where we had made a structural change within the company that we thought at the time, everybody thought at the time, would be helpful to compete better. But as certain things like that work out, it, it, it didn't prove out to be. The marketplace mm -hmm. didn't accept it the way that we thought, and it resulted in a lot of turnover. It resulted in a very downward trajectory for the business, and it resulted in our then CEO, along with some other executives, moving on to different pursuits. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just running sales at the time for the company, and I was. we have a parent company in Germany, and they, they ran everything at, the, at that time. And, and I was elected to be, and I was informed that I would be interim CEO. Now, I, I had the least tenure of anybody on our leadership team, and I was being placed in this interim CEO role while they were very transparent that they were going to go, at the time, search for a real CEO, right? Because they, they knew I wasn't yet ready for mm -hmm. it, but I was the person elected to sort of stabilize the ship, if you will. Wow. Now, you want to talk about, if I'm being real honest, you want to talk about Lots of questions of, okay, am I really ready for this? What do I have to offer? There's a lot of people relying on me. I've got, you know, these folks have placed a tremendous amount of trust in me and that, and I owe them something for that. And, and so there's all those emotions that come into play. It's about how do you make the strongest possible connections with people, understanding that you're not with them every day, you're not in front of them every day. So, so you've really got to, the way I say it is, you've got to push yourself out of your own comfort zone if you wish to make a connection with others, especially an audience or a group, you know, that you're not standing in front of every day. If I'm not willing to be a little bit vulnerable, transparent, authentic, and push myself outside of a boundary that makes me comfortable, they are unlikely given the noise of the day to receive anything that I have to offer them. So it's, so it's incumbent on us, I think, as leaders to push ourselves beyond our own boundaries so we can reach through to others. And once we have that connection, Let's do something great with it. Yes, let's make numbers. Yes, let's grow a business, but but let's do something great with all of them as well. Hmm. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. Yeah, you mentioned the word vulnerability. That is yeah. not an easy word for leaders. It's an easy word to say, yeah. but it's a whole different element of, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable with my team. What's a way that you've been vulnerable with your team or with your customers uh, that's been helpful for your leadership style? Yeah, I just think, you know, especially during uh, question and answer sessions as a chance where you really get to practice it. I mean, you could do it on a, on a a in a staged talk, let's say a presentation of some form, but it, it may it may or may not come across as vulnerable. It may come across as acting. You never know. You know, if it's not spontaneous enough, people may not receive that. But mm -hmm. when you do like open question and answers, I think there's always a chance for you to show a lot of yourself and to show. It. Now, again, it's a blend as as all life is. Right. It's a blend. 
So you're not showing yourself to be so vulnerable that they question whether you can be confident and decisive. So these are all elements that have yeah, to blend yeah. together. Good but you're boy. certainly giving them a window a into the soul. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're trying to give them a window into the soul and a window into how you think and a peek behind the curtain, if you will. You know, question and answer sessions, I, I know it's a little dangerous, but they really shouldn't be staged and they shouldn't be filtered. Like we should, that that's the way you get yourself to be vulnerable and authentic is you stop trying to script everything that you do. You know, and you trust yourself that you're in the role for a reason and you trust yourself to be yourself and to connect with others as you always have. Great leadership hack. Probably not one a lot of people expected. What's the way to be vulnerable? Well, y'all just stop. Just don't script everything. Right. And you said trust yourself to act in the moment, to be who you are and respond in a positive way. I I really like that. Um you talk about motivating teams and that's a big focus of, of yours. What's a role of a leader when it comes to motivating teams? I think it's a, um, I think it's a high level responsibility. I think it's up there in, in the, in the top of the things that we do. Yes, we provide a vision and we ensure the strategies are consistent with that vision. And we ensure the plans up and down the ladder are, are there to meet and exceed the hurdles and goals that we have. But in the end, we're still asking some group of people to go and do these things. And if we, if we underestimate the role of motivation and inspiration in that equation, I think we've missed it. So for me, it's always about helping people do something that's better in their lives, of which a portion of that is work and success at work, right? Rather than the other way around. Hey, work for me, succeed here, do your best. We'll praise you and take you on a nice trip and then go home to your family and do what you do. That, that, that's sort of missing a big element for me. I, I feel like we are thrown together in these moments to navigate life. And a part of life is work. I reject this work-life balance notion, even though I'm a big balance guy. I don't like the phrasing of work-life balance because that presupposes that work interferes with our lives, the way that's framed. And it's been positioned to us forever. Hmm. I must achieve work-life balance. Well, guess what? No one agrees on what that is because everyone has a different concept of what that balance looks like. But you can't presuppose that work interferes with your ability to live, which that statement does. So I just Hmm. think about life balance, of which a portion of that is what we choose to do in our working hours. And, And therefore, we should always be thinking about how we can be better for and with each other, not just in business, but in life. All of the lessons and all the things I try to teach and any of the motivational stuff, it usually, at least I start with the intention of what can I give these folks to take home? It's going to make them better at home that if they also used it in an office would help them sell more stuff. Well, sales, and some people might disagree, but I believe it's a very noble profession because it speaks to the humanity in all of us when it's done well. And certainly if you're, more effective in sales in your personal life. You're thinking about the needs of your family, your friends, your community, and how what you can offer to serve them. And so, man, if you're thinking about yeah, if you bring that mindset to your work and your personal life, wow. Yeah, it's it's um. So I, I obviously as a as a longtime practitioner of the sales profession, um, yes. I love it. And I think that it, but it, but it can be like all professions, by the way, it can certainly be misused. Uh, a person with great selling skills can 
can convince people to do something they probably shouldn't do, and even has the power to manipulate somebody into doing something that might not be good for them. So that's the unnoble side, perhaps, of what we do. But those same skills can be applied with passion to sell somebody on something that's great for them. And and so many professions that don't call themselves salespeople do this all the time. Lawyers give advice that should be good for their client. They're selling them on an idea. Doctors give advice to a treatment that a patient needs. They're selling them on the idea. So we do this all through our lives, but we label what we do as sales and we we sort of label others as other professions, but we're all selling. And if we're selling with a with the passion and pursuit of something that's good for somebody else, because we believe it, then that's the most noblest thing we can do. And the worst thing they can do is disagree with us, which they certainly have a right to do. Is there a specific per thought leader or a book that you that's that that's a cornerstone of your sales philosophy? No, I don't think so much. I, I read a lot of things that are broader business things, and then I try to distill that down to how I operate as a salesperson. So like, for example, I love the Jim Collins books, The Built to Last and The Good to Great. I think they give you a mindset into the ways. I like things where you would approach it and think a certain thing, but then when you get down underneath it, you realize that it leads somewhere different or there was something different at play there. So I like the way his writing style, I like Malcolm Gladwell's stuff a lot. Um, David and Goliath is one of my favorites. Outliers is another of my favorites. So good. Um, Again, the same idea, right? That the where you start out thinking, once you un- unpack it and look underneath it, it becomes, oh, now my mind's open. So I think if the selling component, I just think here's what people should do if you want to be great at sales. You should you should learn cursory. Don't become an expert at it. You don't have to take courses in college on this, but learn cursory psychology. Like mm-hmm. really study elements, read people that write, Gladwell does this fairly well. He writes about the psychology of things and how people make make decisions and make ideas. This is really important because if you understand yourself, which you can do through psychology, and you understand the other person or your audience somewhat psychologically, then you know how to reach them. And that's what's so critical. Everybody worries about what you say, that, oh, if I just had the right verbatim, if I just learned the right phrasing, if I just had the right product knowledge, I can convince anybody of anything. That's not true. It, it's about what they hear. It's not about what you say. So your obligation as a leader, or as a salesperson, is to figure out what they're hearing. Because 10 different people may hear 10 different things, even though you've said it the same way. So you're in, it's incumbent to understand the psychology of that individual and how to get through to them, how to make sure that they receive the information you have. So good. Like the first step of any great sales conversation, as I was taught, was it's not to say anything. It's just to ask a question and then get out of the way and let them explain their position. And through that, you reveal their psychology and what, you know, the best way to communicate with them, you know, regardless of where you go with it. That's so, it's so perfect, right? This idea of questioning to get at the psychology. That's exactly right, Ben. That's how I've always practiced it myself and what I've come to believe. And then and then again, there's this idea of questioning. And when you understand psychology, here's what here's what you also understand. And this will help you sell anything to anybody. We, you, you've got to ask the next level questions. The first questions are the easy ones that get the conversation going. But the answers they're giving you are not the meaningful answers yet because you haven't built enough of a relationship to get to their vulnerabilities. So, you know, mm-hmm. the first objection they throw out to why they're not buying is not the real reason they're not buying. It's the reason to make you go away. So once you understand yeah. that, you Just you looking. realize, well, I've got to probe yeah. that two levels deeper to get to the root cause that I really need to solve. 
right? And that may take a couple of sales calls, but nonetheless, we can get there. Yeah, I love it. Great recommendation uh, and a great long-term approach to relationship building. You may not get everything in the first conversation. What yeah. advice would you give your younger self or maybe something that you would recommend that you try? You know, it, it would be trust your gut instincts more. Okay. Um, what I've what I've learned over time, what, what what I've come to believe, I won't say I've learned this because I, obviously I transparently I don't know it for certainty. But what I believe is that uh, this gut instinct that we like to talk about, many of us say we rely on, it's a it's an extremely powerful tool. And and I'll, I'll take it one step outside of the realm of leadership here. I believe it's placed in us from elsewhere. Okay, I don't think it's a digestive issue. I don't think it's, I think it's placed in us. From elsewhere. Now you can we could have different podcasts about where it may come from, but it's there and it's guiding us and it's in tune with and in sync with where we ought to go. So I would suggest that the true and purest form of a gut instinct is not wrong, but we intellectualize it and can make it wrong because we forget what it was. Our mm -hmm. brain engages very quickly on behalf of ourselves when we start feeling a certain way and it starts giving Thinking us versus feeling exactly different. Exactly. But if you really learn to trust the purest form of your reaction, which is your gut instinct and where your where your instinct tells you to go before your mind says, yeah, good or no, that's not right. That's going to be right the majority of the time. And I would I, mm. I would I've proven that in my life because I used to journal it I used to figure out, you know, I, I was obsessed with this idea. So I would journal, OK, here was my instinct, but then here's what kicked in and other things prevented me from doing it or whatever excuses I made. I certainly journaled when I went against it. And then I look back over a couple of years of trusting or distrusting those instincts. I should have trusted it all the time. So so wow. I would. And that's not that's no greatness on me, by the way. I'm saying that comes from elsewhere. And that's just in us to sense where we ought to go and have the conviction to do it. Journaling is such a great tool for reflection. Yeah. And how cool that you're actually journaling what what you were feeling, you know, that that gut instinct that was coming up at all those inflection points for your decision making. I had a similar experience when I was at a crossroads in my career years ago and a coach had me journal all my work activities throughout my day. Yeah. And she's like, just notice where you're getting your energy, which activities are giving you energy and energizing you, which ones seem to be depleting in terms of conversations you're having inside of work, outside of work, activities from emailing to calling to presenting, every little thing, not being net neutral, but to have an effect on, on my energy level. And it really helped guide me into uh, the next phase of my career. And it's a similar, it's sort of like, a, it's not exactly gut feeling, but it was easy for me to really feel, do I feel buoyant, you know, buoyed by this or do yeah. I feel like I have to, you know, really dig deep to spend another hour emailing people? I Which love that. What do you, do you remember the thing that came out of that, that where you were getting the majority of your energy? Like where was the yeah, energy? No, that's well, a couple. So I also did some reflection on previous parts of my career when I felt that it was oftentimes uh, teaching what I already ha had figured out to people. And doing that verbally or from the stage, it could be something really small, you know, and I've, that was often, th but things that dragged me down actually, you know, is, is writing a lot. And, you know, I've written a book, got more not coming, but all of that 
you know, I need a nap after I spend a couple hours riding. I have friends who are writers and they just feel like they conquered the world after they wrote a couple chapters, you know? Uh, but after a podcast, I always feel lifted. And so a couple of years ago during the pandemic, when we started this, I was like, man, I'm, I'm noticing I get more energy um, after these interviews. And like after this, I'm just going to say thank you in advance because I'll get some I get nice energy buzz after it. And well, so I think you, following you, that, you're providing the same for me. So thank you. Okay. Yeah, this, well, well, great. Great, for, yeah, great for conversations you. do that. Yeah. Great conversations do that. And and I love what you said about teaching people too. I, it, it's a piece that I, I certainly relate to. I think it's the 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 best part of my job and what I do is is that ability to to give somebody else a light bulb moment or, or help them see something they weren't seeing and God knows I need people to do it for me too so it's not as though I've got all the answers but we're we're usually better at doing that for somebody else than we might be for doing it for ourselves. Well, I like what you said. It's something that's just inherently within us, so you don't have to go get something. It's you know it's something within you, and it's probably something attached positively to your future. If you can get in touch with what that is. Yeah. Uh, and follow it. You know, good stuff will, will happen. Patrick, this has been an absolutely super cool interview. I really thank you for all the interesting stuff that you gave me at the beginning around executive skin healthcare, which I think <laughs> will actually be, we'll probably get some cool feedback on that. You know, I had that. And also, yeah, really don't be cool afraid of it, everybody. Room. Don't be afraid. It's, it's yeah, there for you if, you, if you want it. <laughs> well, so, so starting to, starting to wrap this up, what's your parting thought for our listeners today? I think um, it's just that we we all collectively um, share such a, I think, tremendous privilege of leading people and, and and honor to do so and responsibility to do so, and that that can that can be energizing as you and I just talked about, but it can also weigh on us in various ways. You know, folks listening are are maybe facing all sorts of things. Some are having great years. Some are trying to figure out the path and all that stuff. And I think we, we, we just, we, all of us have to remember and myself included, you know, these, these basic principles that we know are true that, that help guide us through anything that we confront together. And, and, and those, and those things are just that we got to remain optimistic. People need that from us. Mm. Right? They yeah. need us to be optimistic. Nobody, nobody wants to hear there's dark days ahead and we're not sure, but Hey, hang in there. Like that just doesn't do it. <laughs> So, so we've got it. We've got to maintain our optimism and how we present things. Realistic optimism now, right? We can't be we can't be too far off the off the pace. But realistic optimism is important, um, and and helping others to find their ability to be accountable is important, right? We people have to own their own accountability, and we have to help them do so. It's not just push down from the top. It's best if it happens at all levels um, to be accountable to get somewhere. And and that's best done if we set a high bar. I see sometimes leaders make mistakes in that we we worry about, well, if we set the bar too high, people might leave. And if you set it too low, they won't succeed and they'll leave. So so yeah. you know, in the end, a we've high got bar to, engages a lot of times. People, if you're motivating, people. like you talked about earlier, they exactly. believe they can get there. Exactly. So so I think I think those are. Those are critical components, but I, we're all we're all in it together, sort of as this community and spirit of folks that have taken up this banner and and lead for a living, if you will. And it's a it's a special club, man. I think it's a special club. So I'm I'm proud to be uh, among so many others that 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 do it, and, and I know do it well. 
Thanks for coming on today, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.